0: Tonight, the title of the message is Medic. Everybody say that with me. Medic. Come on, say that a little louder. Medic! Any of you guys ever needed a medic? Yeah, I know I have. Hey, let's start in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Say medic when you get there. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Tonight, church, as we get into the word, you have to remind yourself, that we are in a spiritual struggle. We are in a war. We are in a battle. And there are real forces at play tonight. There are real forces at play in every life in this room, whether you realize it or not. We're going to talk tonight about wounds. We're going to talk about how to dress those wounds. But we need to understand we're not talking about physical wounds tonight. We're talking about spiritual wounds. Amen? Amen. Skip a few chapters. Over to the left, to Ephesians 2 verse eight, same medic when you were there. Medic. 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 Ephesians chapter 2 verse eight says, "For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance." For you to do. Now, think about that, church. You're in a spiritual war and you are God's workmanship. You have been drafted into God's army to fight God's battles. And in those battles, there are going to be casualties. Any of you ever experienced ca- spiritual casualties in your life? Yeah. Any of you experienced wounds spiritually? Yeah. They're going to happen because we are in a spiritual
1: war. We're not going to talk about bomb shelter position. We're talking about war because we're going to call men and women of God out of the trenches tonight. Say tonight. 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 Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5 and find verse 18 and say medic when you're there. All this. Come on, Paul. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Say reconciliation. 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 That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. Let's recap last Sunday's, or Sunday's message. The band of the what? Restored. Restored. We're called to Takun Ha Olam. We're restoring lives, and we are restoring nations. Come on. As a church, as men and women of God, we are God's liberating force on yes. earth. Amen. Come on, that's a big calling. Yes. But occasionally, our tactics have to change because we're at war. We have to be prepared for unexpected circumstances. If you are going after the Lord... The enemy is going to throw everything that he can at you to get you to be distracted, to be discouraged, to knock you off course. Because we are at war and it's time that tonight, that third day thinking mentality comes up. And we say, Lord, I've been hiding in the trenches and tonight (laughs) I'm coming out with fire.
0: Hey, anybody knows what happens in a war? Occasionally there are diversions. Occasionally, there's psychological warfare. Occasionally, the enemy yeah. tries to affect your mindset, tries to affect your morale, and tries to affect you physically. Occasionally, troops die in war. Is that true? Yeah. What have, we se- have we seen some troops die in this war yeah. spiritually? Yeah, we have. Have we seen some people wounded spiritually? Yeah. Have we been wounded spiritually? Yeah. yeah, have we had psychological warfare implored against us? Yeah, we have. Turn with me to 1 Peter 4, 12. Medic. Say medic when you're there. Medic. Loud and proud. Medic. Medic. It says, dear friends, do not be surprised. Do not be what? Surprise. Do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. Man, what happens when that strange, when that painful trial comes upon you? Man, you're like, where did that come from? That was unexpected. I didn't realize the enemy had that much force. How many of us have been through a painful trial recently? Man, that is spiritual warfare. How many of you have had to change your tactics? You've got shots fired at you, and you realize, man, I need to get my head down. Man, I need to get down in the trench. I need to get on my stomach and crawl, man. I want to tell you what in warfare things change. They have the saying, you know, you can have a plan and then you get punched in the mouth. Sometimes you have a plan to go into the battle and the enemy comes and he throws everything he has at you. And then all of a sudden the plans change. Amen. Amen. And sometimes It's not just that the enemy is throwing a fierce trial your way. It's that your plan wasn't good to start with. Sometimes you have a plan that was not prayerfully gotten from the heavens. Man, you remember the word Monday night? Something that you thought of yourself and something you didn't ask the Lord for. Man, I'm going to tell you, tonight our tactics are going to change a little bit. Amen? Amen. We're going to have to realize the painful trials that are coming are
1: going to have to cause us to do something different. You know, some days I wake up and I'm ready to fight. Do you ever have those days? Some days. You get up and you're like, to Satan, right?
0: Looking for a fight.
1: But I can say most of my days, I fight in the midst of me getting ready. I don't always wake up with this intensity like, Lord, I'm ready. Anything that comes at me, I'm ready. We're going to fight. We're going to, we're going to start throwing those punches. I have your plan in your mind and your heart and anything that comes against me, I'm ready for. But I can say about my life that I am working to, to be ready to fight every day. Most of the time, I'm fighting to get ready. It's a fight and I'm trying to prepare and I'm fighting and I'm trying to prepare. Let's look at Exodus 18. Find verse
0: 5.
1: Verse 5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So, so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. You can say that Israel... Had been through a few battles, right? Yeah. They maybe even have uh, uh, incurred some wounds along the way. But watch this. Let's go to verse thirteen. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him for uh, from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, "What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you do it alone? Why do you alone sit as judge?" While all these people stand around you from morning till evening. Moses answered him. Because the people come to seek God's will. Come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of what God's decrees and laws. Of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied. What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out they were the work is too heavy for you and you cannot handle it alone Man. come on sometimes in warfare you got to have a life-saving rebuke yeah. but it's better to be wounded by a friend it's better to be wounded by a pastor than to let the enemy get the best of you because you were too blind Come on, we're going to lay down pride tonight. We're going to lay down a fence tonight. We're going to have a mature view of correction and the life that it brings. Because it may wound you, but the shepherds God has put in your life, they're masters of packing and wrapping wounds so they heal. Let's look at Exodus 18 and find verse 22. They will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. Come on, do we need to stand the strain? Yes. Yeah. And all these people will go home satisfied. Come on, we can't fight alone, church. No. Come on, we know that. We know it's preached from this pulpit week after week after week. But we have to get it down in our souls that there's an enemy that's out there trying to wound us. He doesn't want what's best for you. He'll be relentless in his pursuit to, to give that fatal blow and to distract all your brothers so they can't come pack your wound. Come on, if you've been straying, if you've been straying from fellowship, if you once had a bond with brothers in this body and you have been uh, silently lulled away, you might be being wounded And your brothers can't get to you. You have to stay with the pack. And when there's a life-giving rebuke from a man of God, come on, that's a wound that can be trusted.
0: Hey, isn't Jethro awesome? Yeah. Yeah. You know what we love about Jethro is that he comes to Moses, and we esteem Moses as a a great man of God, don't we? But Moses would have made a mistake in this area if Jethro had not come and spoken. Jethro offered life saving correction that was desperately needed life-saving correction that was desperately needed have you ever had somebody come to your aid and give you life-saving correction i know i have turn with me to deuteronomy 1 deuteronomy chapter 1 and land on the ninth verse we're going to look into jethro's life we're going to see a derash right here in the text and i hope you get something out of it because it rocked me verse 9 says at that time i said to you now the i there is moses okay and the you there is the people of israel at that time moses said to the people of israel you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone man how would you like that to be said about you <laughs> you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone The Lord your God has increased your numbers so that today you are as many as the stars in the sky. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. But how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? Choose some wise, understanding, and respected men from each of your tribes, and I will set them over you. Man, amen, amen, the promotion of well-able men. You answered me, what you propose to do is good. So I took the leading men of your tribes, wise and respected men, and appointed them to have authority over you, as commanders of thousands, hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and as tribal officers. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the disputes between your brothers and judge fairly, whether the case is between brother Israelites or between one of them and an alien. Do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of any man, for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too hard for you, and I will hear it. And at that time, I told you everything you were to do. Anybody notice anything interesting about this verse? I told you this was a derash, which means we have to compare it to the last text we read. Something strange about this verse. And as I was reading it, something jumped out to me. Moses is telling the story about when he had to appoint commanders, correct? What part is he leaving out of that story? Jethro. Jethro Jethro was left out of the story that Moses is telling about of the life-saving event for Israel. Man, think about that for a second. Jethro had no regard for himself. Jethro had no thought of going and thinking... I wonder if I'm going to get the glory for this. I wonder if I'm going to go give them a life-saving correction and get glory for myself. Moses went and offered life-saving correction, and he had no regard whether or not he got the glory, whether or not he got the credit, whether or not he was mentioned. Man, what would that look like if we operated like that, church? I want to tell you what God was doing in my heart. As as I saw Jethro in this story, I began to look at myself and I began to go, you know what? I can offer a life-saving correction, but only if I get the glory for it. Only if I get the credit. Only if I get the mention. Only if my name gets plastered to that life-saving event. Man, isn't that how we operate from time to time? I want to tell you, when I begin to look in my heart, I begin to see how truly wicked it was. I begin to see that there are conversations I have where I'm just looking at my watch and thinking, "Man, you know what? There's a fellowship going on at the kibbutz, and I'm not even really listening to this conversation. I'm just thinking about how much I need to go hang out." Any of you ever experienced that? You, you know that there is a brother in front of you who has a need. You know that there is a brother in front of you that wants to fellowship with you in conversation and you just can't wait to get out of there because you are impatient and you are prideful and you will only go through the tough correction that needs to be given or just the sweet fellowship that the brother needs if there's glory in it for you. Man, I want to tell you what, if we look into our hearts and we see what's really on the inside, if we look at our motives tonight, We might see that our actions are based a little bit more on pride than out of love for our brothers. When Jethro went, I believe that Jethro offered a life correction because he cared about Moses. And he cared what would happen to the people of Israel. And he cared whether or not the armies of Israel were winning the battles. Tonight, we are going to have to look inside our hearts and see, church, what is our motive? What is my motive for being in this body? Is it to support my brothers and sisters in the war? Is it to give my life for my brothers and sisters? To sacrifice my time? You know, we all have a fine way. I have a fine way of saying Jesus is my Lord. But when my time is put on the line, yeah, we see who's Lord real quick, don't we? Yeah, because when I'm in a conversation, I'm just like, yeah, you know people hanging out at Buffalo Wild Wings, you know? The Chicago pastors are in town. I don't want to to get out of here. But the brother needs, the brother or sister you're talking to needs life-saving correction. What if they have wounds tonight, church? What if they have wounds that the Lord wants to use you to bandage?
1: Come on, we need to have a reckless abandonment. It's a lot easier to not get caught up in your own will and your own plans if you're so focused on serving other people. Let's go to Jeremiah 8 and find verse 5.
0: Medic. Medic. Medic.
1: Medic. 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 All right. Verse five. Why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit and they refuse to return. I have listened attentively, but they do not say what is right. No one repents of wickedness, saying, what have I done? Each pursues his own course like a horse charging into battle. Is the health of your brothers an indictment to your faith? Look around you. How are your brothers doing? Reflect on it. How are your closest brothers doing? It should be an encouragement when we are all doing well. That we are putting our faith in action. But if we're all suffering and dying and bleeding out. It's an indictment. Are you charging your own course? Here it says, like a horse charging into battle. Is your your face like flint on your will, on your own will, your own prerogative? You can't be turned from it. And even the the harshest, most righteous correction, you already have a pre-planned justification for it. Now tonight, beckoning you to cry medic. I got a wound, and I need it to be packed, and I need it to be wrapped, and I need it to heal. Go to verse 11. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace they say, when there is no peace. As you were thinking a second ago about the health of your brother's. Do you know you have a brother in this room right now that's hemorrhaging? Hemorrhaging. And you're saying, Hey man, it's just a scratch. Hey, it's going to be alright. Don't worry about it. We're going to break that tonight. We're going we're to strip away the pride. We're going to strip away the offense. We're going to get the heart and the mind of the great physician. And for some... It's our time to rise out of the trenches as warriors of God and say, hey, I'm here to bind up that wound. And for others, we need to cry medic. Say, I have a wound. Somebody, somebody come and rescue me.
0: We need to get the heart and the mind tonight of the great physician. Verse 21 of Jeremiah 8 says, Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. This is God speaking. I mourn and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Man, this reminds me of uh, Ezekiel 34 verse 4. and says, It says that the shepherds do not bind up my sheep. They do not bind up my sheep. I want to tell you that tonight... You're in a church that has good shepherds. You're in, a, you're in a church where there are medics here and they are listening for the cries of the wounded. But man, how many more medics do we need? Man, God is asking the question, why is there no healing for the wound of my people? Think about that for a second. Why are there so many wounds in the battle? Why are there so many men and women who are wounded on the battlefield bleeding out? Is it perhaps because there are so many of us that are too prideful to get out of our trench and run for that brother? Like myself, I'm preaching to myself tonight. Is it perhaps because Justin Triester is too prideful and would rather be at Buffalo Wild Wings than to get out of his trench and go and grab a brother? I think it's so. Turn with me to Proverbs 24, 10 through 11. I want to say tonight it is so easy. You know, sometimes it's easy. It's not always easy to have the gun in your hand. Not always easy to have the gun in your hand. But I want to tell you, it seems like there's more glory in that. To have your gun in your hand and be charging forward, it doesn't seem like there's much glory, though, in staying behind and bandaging up the wounded. Proverbs 24, 10 through 11 says, If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Man, if there are times of trouble and you falter, how small is your strength? If there is a brother in this church who is relying on you for life-giving correction, if there's a brother in this church or a sister in this church, or if your spouse, if your family is leaning on you to bind up those wounds, and times of trouble come, and you falter, how small is your strength? Verse 11 says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. It is our prerogative Christians. We are our brother's keeper tonight. We are our brother's keeper throughout the week, throughout the years. It is our prerogative To go in the face of danger and go after our brothers who are wounded. I want to show you a video. This video is a physical picture of a spiritual reality in the church. It's a physical picture of a spiritual reality in this world. This is a reality of all people that you see around you. Get busy, pal. Hold your fire, boys. Don't let them draw you out. Hold your fire! Stay ready, boys. What the hell are we gonna hit those things? Get ready! Leg? Hold your fire. Get ready, Walter! Stay in your
1: hold, guys. All you've done you stay ready! <laughs> <gasps> oh, get oh, get oh, get 18. Let's go. Get Stop, Smokey. Got it, Mo? I got it. I'm keeping it for you, Smokey. I my legs, dude. Take it easy. My fox will get the cuffs now. Nah. Really? All right. Hey. Hey. Come on, Wilder.
0: Come on, buddy. Hurry, Doc. Come on, Doc. I got to get back to the line. Okay, okay.
1: Ma'am. Yeah, buddy. Standing on my hand. Sorry, Doc. Look, I'll get you another purple heart for it. feel that weight? Combat medics are known for their selfless courage, often charging into dangerous situations to stabilize and evacuate their fallen comrades. Their initial training is comprehensive, but combined with their pre-deployment training, uh, they have no regard for themselves. They They have minimal armor and no cover fire. Only a manly grit and a devotion to protect their brothers in the most hostile of circumstances. Willing to take on the full force of the enemy fire and to dress the wounds of their comrades. At the cost of their own life, they will rise from the trenches with one goal. Restore my brother to the battle line. Come on, tonight we need to have third day thinking. We need to say tonight, I'm coming out of the trenches. I'm going to go bind up the wounds. I'm going to go get that offense off my chest. I'm going to hear the cries of my brothers who are saying, Medic! Medic! I'm bleeding out! Somebody! I know I've gotten this wrong. I'm on eye level with you guys and I I know there are times that you you were crying out for a medic and I sat there and I said, you know what? God's going to work it out. But I know God, he sent me to go bind up that wound. And I say tonight, I refuse. The world says, hey, there's crossfire. The bullets are coming. You can't run out there without a weapon. Say, to hell with cover fire. I'm going to go patch up my brother's wounds. Do you have that kind of grit tonight? Do you have that for your brothers? Because I promise you, if they get shot and you're the one called to go bind up that wound and you sit there, you're going to watch them bleed out and it's an indictment to your faith and God will hold you accountable. And I say tonight, I don't want to be that man. I'm going to be the one that rises out of the trenches and says, you know what, enemy, you give me your best because he's coming back with me and I'm restoring him to Amen. the battle line. Amen. Do you want that grit tonight? Yes. Come on, we're fixing to hear some testimonies. We're fixing to hear Brother Triester pour out his heart. And we want you to go with us. The Lord's been dealing with us regarding this. And I want to get it right. I'm saying you guys are worth it. I know Jesus is worth it. He's the only reason that we sit in this room and we worship and we read the word and we pray and we strive for righteousness day after day. He's going to get glory through our suffering. But we have to have the faith and the courage to climb out of the trench. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. It's not easy. Everything is going to be telling you to stay in that trench. But we're saying the word of God says, get out of the trench. Amen. Who cares about what you think? Do what the word says, regardless of any, any other circumstance. The word calls you out of the trench tonight. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you charge into the battlefield. And he's given you the tools to pack and wrap that wound
0: Proverbs 24 and verse 11 says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. Man, there are many who are struggling and wounded tonight. Can you hear the cries? There are many in your life who are struggling and crying out for a medic tonight. Do you think that that medic, when his brother in arm was wounded, do you think he thought for a second, Oh, you know what? I'm just going to stay right here. I'm too scared to go out. Do you think for a second he was sitting there wishing, no, I just kind of wish I was somewhere else? No. He had one thing in mind. If I do not bind up my brother, he might not live. He might not make it. Man, what would we be like if we all had that mentality? If we all were our brother's keepers and we all said, if I do not, go when i hear that cry if i sit here in my trench because there may be bullets coming i may get hit too you remember the scripture that says restore brother gently when he's called into sin but watch out so that you not be be tempted as well Well, it is a real thing when you're dealing with sin when the bullets are flying we can't sit down and let our brothers die we have to move forward Turn with me to John 13, verse 35. 34 to 35. Say medic when you're there. Medic. medic. Says a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. As we were... Studying and preparing for this word. I was reminded of another story It's a story I had heard about the United States Marines fighting the Japanese on the battle of Guadalcanal in 1943 On the island of Guadalcanal the Marines were stranded they landed on the island and their Navy that supported them Was crushed by the Japanese Navy and the and the Marines were stranded on the island For months, without food, without medicine, and without ammunition. Constantly, day in and day out, being bombarded by Japanese waves of attack. As these Marines were on the island, one night they formed a line along a a river bank. And they were laying down. There was a bank that went up to the river and down into the water. And they were hiding behind the bank, because on the other side of the river was a Japanese platoon. And the Japanese knew they were there, the Americans knew the Japanese were there. And these soldiers were so tired from fighting that they were exhausted, but they could not sleep for fear that the Japanese would cross the river and kill all of them in their sleep. So they stayed awake. And after hours of not sleeping, finally, they hear one shot in the middle of the night. Pow, a single shot. And then one, so one Marine recalls hearing the sound of a gasp of breath being taken. Uh, <gasps> and then they hear a Marine say, I've been shot. They did nothing. They did nothing. Not a single Marine got up for fear that if he raised his head above the grass or raised his head above the hill, he'd be popped off by a Japanese sniper. Not one of them got up. And the particular Marine that was telling the story... He says throughout the night, he was shot at 2 a.m. At 3 a.m., he heard the the young Marine cry, maybe 19 years old, 20 years old. He began to hear him him cry, I need help, been shot, I need help. Nobody went. Although they were all all side by side, nobody did a thing to help him. At 4 a.m., they began to hear him cry out for his mother. 5 a.m., he began to cry even more. Nobody did a thing. And the man that told the story, he said, I remember thinking to myself, my God, why don't you just die? Just please die and give us some silence so that we can all sleep. Please die so that you can make it quieter so that the Japanese don't hear the rest of us here and know exactly where we're at. The next day, that Marine that was telling the story was asking, hey, we Where's my buddy? Where's my buddy at? You know the buddy that I went through uh, basic training with? You know the one that we were always together? I said, hey, I hate to inform you, but he was the one that sh- accidentally shot himself the other night. You see, this Marine, for fear of danger, for prideful selfishness, for lack of sleep, for all other reasons, sat there and listened to his buddy die. How many of us are guilty of that? How many of us turn a deaf ear to the cries all around us because we are too prideful to get out of our trench, face the bullets, and go and bind up our brothers? To go and do the hard work of restoration. Man, what would that... You you imagine having to live with that? I don't know about you, but there are specific people that I remember in my life That God told me to go and minister to them. And I didn't. A couple of them have died. And I know they weren't born again. Can you imagine living with that? What would you do the next time? Wouldn't it be easier just to do what God said? Despite all of the fear. Despite all of the potential danger that you may face. Wouldn't it be easier just to go? Be brave. Be courageous. Rock Kazak. And go and bind up your brother. Come on, tonight, church, we are going to rise up. We are going to learn how to crucify that fear. How do we do that? How do we put fear to death? Tonight, church, the answer is one word. It's love. Love is what crucifies fear. The command that Jesus gives is love one another. As I have loved you, how are you to love one another? As Christ has loved you. How did Christ love you? He went into the face of opposition. Right into enemy fire. And he bandaged you up. Romans 5 says that while we were enemies. Think about this. Now let's pretend you're not even in his army. You're an enemy soldier. And he still went behind enemy lines to bandage you up. To carry you out of that regime. Bring you back to the rightful camp. And bandage you up. He did that for you. And that is our example, love. Do you think that that soldier was calculating the cost when his brother got shot and there are enemies all around? No, because he loved his brother. He loved his brother. And that is why he leapt out of the trench into the face of bullets, into the face of possible death. To risk everything, to lay down his pride, to lay down all of the credit and all of the glory. Do you think that when he left his trench, he was thinking to himself, I hope I get an award for this. No. The first and foremost thing in his mind was he has got to get help because he may not last. Church, what is wrong with us? When we will not go and bind up the weak. When we will not go and bandage up our brothers because we are so concerned about our own agendas, about our own time schedules, about our own things and everything we are doing. What if someone's dying? I'm telling you, the pastors have given us a perfect example. there, And the elders have given us a perfect example. And Jesus has given us a perfect example of love. When a brother is wounded... You move. You don't ask questions. You get up and you move toward that brother. I want to tell you, this is something that the Lord is radically changing me about. You know how many times I I have seen something in a brother and I go, Yeah, what if I speak up? What if they get offended? What if I go and say something to them and I'm wrong? What if they die? What if they get knocked out of the race because you saw it and you did not do it God told you to? When a brother's wounded or a sister's wounded, excuse me, you move. Now, what do you do when you get to them? What do you do when you leap out of your trench and you get to your brother who's bleeding out, who's crying out for a medic? What do you do? The first thing you do is you identify the wound. Leviticus 13, three through four says the priest is to examine the wound. If you read a little bit later, it says if that if, if the wound appears to be more than skin deep, it is infectious. Man, more than skin deep. More than skin deep. Church, we got to learn tonight that there are wounds that are more than skin deep and there are wounds that are only skin deep. We got to learn to realize that some of these wounds are not more than skin deep. We gotta learn to look at our brothers and say, hey, come on, you're gonna make it out of this. Get up right now. That's just a flesh wound. You gotta get up and keep firing or we're gonna get overrun. That is just a flesh wound, man. That is not gonna damage you. Get up. You gotta identify the wound. If it's more than skin, skin deep, go to the second step. The second step is to stabilize the wound. You have gotta stop the bleeding. How do we stabilize the wound? With the Word of God. Amen. We stabilize the wound with the Word. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent forth His Word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. When a brother is dying and he's on the way to the grave, you have to use the Word to heal them. That is the only thing that will do it. That is the only thing that will heal your brother or your sister or your spouse or your br- whatever, mother, father, is the Word. Word. If you see a wound and there's a cry for a medic, you go and give them the what, church? Word. The word. And after you do that, you you heal with the word, you gotta get him back on his feet, man. You gotta get him back to fighting condition and firing away so that he can help with the mission of destroying the enemy. We gotta get him back on his feet with encouragement. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What day do we see approaching, church? The day of victory. We have to get him back on his feet so he can take part in the day of victory. Victory. So that he can be the one with you going in across enemy lines and taking the capital. Yes. That is what we have to do. When we see a brother wounded, we need to identify the wound. We need to stabilize the wound and we need to get him
1: back on his feet. In our pursuit of discipleship, in our pursuit of our brothers, what happens if you get wounded? You were, you were, you were going out to help your brother and you get hit. You have to cry out, medic! I'm wounded! I'm hit! I need help! And you have to identify where it hit you. Let's go to Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. Come on, a man who doesn't have pride can take a wound and cry out to the Lord. That's the man that gets heard. you got to call medic! Medic! I've been hit! You have to identify the wound and then you have to bear the pain of stabilizing your own wound. Let's read Hebrews 12. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Come on, we're not saying if you're going out to save your brothers, no one's going to come to your aid. But I can say one thing about leadership. Sometimes you've got to learn how to pack your own wound. Right, pastors? Elders, sometimes you got to pack your own wound because you got a whole field of soldiers to go patch up. And you have to get back on your feet. Philippians 3.12 says, Not that I have already attained all this, or have already been made perfect, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Come on, we're going to get wounded in our pursuit of righteousness. You got to pack the wound. You got to wrap the wound. You got to get back on your feet and you got to take hold of the things that Christ gave you. Come on, church. You want to take hold tonight? Yes. Let's go to John 15 and verse 12 and say, medic, when you're there. Medic. Medic. Verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. Come on, we got to lay down our lives for each other. Jesus set the example for us. He showed us how to get out of that trench. How to go pack that wound. And wrap that wound He showed us how to have a reckless abandonment for our family. We have to be sacrificial in dealing with our brothers. And we have to trust the brothers that lay down their life for us. Say, oh, we're talking about packing wounds and wrapping wounds. Come on, if you have an offense, if you've been hurt in your pursuit of righteousness, you need to pack that wound with the word and you need to wrap it in fellowship. Pack it with the word. Wrap it in fellowship. That's good work. Come on. You may, you may only have to stand alone for a moment, but if you bandage that wound and get back on your feet, you're going to have a whole legion of soldiers of Christ standing behind you. Amen. Come on. I'm with you tonight. I know that we are going to bind together and bind each other up, and we're going to go and bind up the nations. Amen. Come on, the nations. Yeah, but it has to start in our homes. Amen. Husbands your wife's wounded, you need to go patch her wounds, dress her wounds. Wives, if you are wounding your husband, go dress his wounds. If you have an offense or a problem with a brother or you're struggling in discipleship, you need to go dress that wound tonight and we need to lay down our lives. Greater love has none than this, that we lay down our lives and we need to seek daily what that looks like.
0: Galatians 5, 13 through 15 says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Do what to one another? Serve. Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Man, church, you were called to be free. You were called to be free. Think about that for a second. When you were called, you stepped out into a new spiritual reality, and you realized that these shackles of sin are broken. That an empty life that you used to live in is broken. That you no longer have to be enslaved to your sin. But what can you do in that freedom? There's a lot of things you can do in that freedom. You could choose to go wall in that freedom. You could choose to see that the battle is too intense. And you could say, you know what? I'm going to go missing for a little while. I'm going to go missing because this is too intense. You could see the wounds of your brother and go, brothers and go, you know what? I don't want to get any of that on me. I'm not going to touch that wound. And you can stay in your trench and watch your brothers die. You're free to do anything you want. But you will not be blessed if you indulge in your sinful nature. Tonight, we have to check what part of my sinful nature is prohibiting me from going out, hearing the cries of the wounded, and going to them, and being a medic to them. What part of my sinful nature is blocking me from receiving bandaging from a medic? What if you have a brother coming to you and he's trying to bandage you and you're, you're like, no, 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 get away. I got it myself. How ridiculous does, is, does that sound? Yeah. Think about that video. What if that guy goes, no, 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 don't touch me. I don't want anybody to know I'm wounded. No, 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 don't touch me. How about this? In your freedom, is it easy to feel like you're not free and feel like you are not capable of, of binding up wounds? Man, I want to tell you, you've got tools Remember we talked about identifying the wound. Stabilizing the wound with the word. Getting him back on his feet. Man, what if you're just like, hey, look, I left my med kit at home. Hey, I lost it on the battlefield. A bomb hit it and it flew away. Well, what do you do? You hear the cry of the wounded and you go to him. At least you can go to him, put your hand on the wound, and pray to God that he would help heal it. Come on, that is the least you can do. In your freedom. Use that freedom to serve one another. You do have something to contribute tonight. If you don't know how to identify wounds, if you haven't been trained how to be a combat medic, the very least you can do is go lay your hands. Go lay your hands on the wound and pray and ask God to heal that wound. That is the very least you can do. We all have a way to serve. Amen? Ephesians 6, verse 7. Say medic when you're there. Ephesians 6, verse 7 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good He does, whether He is a slave or free. Think about that for a second. One of the things that prohibits us from binding up wounds or accepting correction or, or stabilization of our wounds, one of the things that prohibits us is we tend to focus on the men rather than the Lord who has called those men. Is that true? Because yeah. we tend to see people and we tend to go, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't really, you know, I don't want to go talk to that guy. No, I want to let the pastors deal with that one. <laughs> Am I the only one? Nope. Come on, church. When you are serving, you're supposed to do it wholeheartedly. And in every situation, you are supposed to serve as if you are serving the Lord and not men. Now, I know that this verse, the Peshat of this is very clear. This is in regards to slavery. And this is in regards to a slave who is serving an earthly master. And the Scripture is written to that slave to say, Hey, look, obey him whether he's earthly or spiritual or whatever. Because you're obeying him like you obey the Lord. But I want you to think tonight... About the fact that when you are looking at your brothers and sisters, and you're looking at them, and God's telling you you need to serve those brothers and sisters, you need to consider that that service is not just towards them, it's toward God. So if you are prideful in thinking I don't need to serve, <laughs> I don't I don't need to do it. my my call is to preach. I'm an evangelist. My work is outside the church. If you are that prideful to think that you don't have to serve your brothers. And when I say serve, think of serving like what we saw those soldiers going through. That is service. That is service. Not just talking about you know carrying bags, although that is service too. I'm talking about advancing under enemy fire, taking a risk for your brother. Doing something for your brother that costs you something. Even if that brother, even if you don't get the glory for it, even if they don't, you know, even if they don't go tell the pastors what you did for them. Even if they don't talk about it in their next sermon. They don't get up on the stage and they go, you know, I love Brother Bosch because he is always serving, which is true. And he's an example for the church. And he didn't ask me to say that. But if somebody served and intentionally looking for that kind of reward, it wouldn't be serving, would it? You are supposed to serve each other as if you are serving the Lord. Let that weight fall on you. Think about that for a second. If your brothers have a wound, it is your duty. It is your duty to go bear up the image of God by bandaging that wound. By protecting God's testimony. By trying everything you can to bear that wound. Whatever risk it takes.
1: Whatever sacrifice is involved. Come on, we're going to take some time tonight to dress each other's wounds. We're going to renew some brotherly bonds. We're going to renew some bonds between families tonight. We're going to come out of those trenches and say, I don't care what it costs me. Yeah. Let's, let's put cost aside and say, I'm coming out of the trench tonight for the sake of my brothers, for the sake of the families of this church. Does the scripture not say if you try to save your life, you will lose it? We cannot try to preserve our lives. We cannot worry about the cost, how hard it's going to be. All we know is we have a duty to lay down our lives for our brothers. And Jesus set the example. I'm going to read Philippians 2, verse 3 to you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus was the ultimate medic. He charged right into that enemy crossfire for you. He didn't, wasn't worried about the cost. Did he not say, what should I say? Let this cup pass from me? It's the very reason that I came to earth. And it is the very reason that we are bound together in unity. That we climb out of the trenches and we help each other bind up our wounds so we can keep fighting. Come on, tonight we're going we're gonna to bind each other's wounds up. We're going to cry medic. We're going to let ourselves... Have our wounds dressed, and we're gonna watch the King of Kings restore us back to the battle line. Go to John twelve.
0: John twelve twenty seven. It says, Jesus is speaking, it says, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Why do you think his heart was troubled? Because he knew the great cost he was going to have to pay yeah. to go after those who were wounded. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we need some of that in us tonight, church. Yeah. We need some of that in us where we are counting the cost. Yeah. We are feeling the weight of what it is going to cost us to follow in Jesus' footsteps so that we can go after those who are wounded. We need to count that weight. Your heart will be troubled. And the thing that will bring you out of your trench is to realize it is for this very reason that you are here. It's so that you can bind up the broken hearted. It is for this very reason that God has revealed himself to you. You remember what we started with tonight? You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for you in advance. How many dangerous situations that you are supposed to go through that God is going to get glory out of? How many... Impossible situations that God is calling you into for another brother's sake. Or maybe not even another brother. Maybe an enemy. Maybe someone who is not born again. God is calling you to get out of your trench. Go across the field through enemy fire. And go after them. Our battle charge is, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name, Father. Glorify your name, Father. If I am to die on the battlefield, then let me die, but glorify Your name. If I am to sacrifice all of my time, glorify Your name. If I am to go to the lowliest of the lowliest, even though nobody sees it, even though nobody will ever know about it, Father, glorify Your name. If I am to go after everyone that God shows me, Father, glorify Your name. It is for The glory of God that we are medics. We have to go after our brothers. Because you know what happens? If the enemy is allowed to wound and kill all of us, what happens to God's glory? It diminishes. It diminishes. God will not have an army if his army can't take care of itself. Our last verse is Isaiah 61 verse 1. Verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners. You know, I've been in, I've been in many times in my life asking for the Spirit of God, asking for God to fill me more, Just so I can feel good. The Spirit of God anoints us so that we can get out of our trenches, church. The Spirit of God anoints us so that we can get out of our trenches, advance into the fire, and pull out our brothers. To go and bind up the wounds, to stabilize the wounds, and to get them back on their feet and say, Come on, church. Come on. Get on your feet. Keep firing. We need you. How many of us tonight need to get out of our trench? How many of us hear the cries of the wounded all around you? How many of you, like me, you've been guilty of being on the line and hearing someone who's dying and just saying, please die so I can get some sleep? And I want to tell you tonight, we have got to capture the heart of God. We have got to capture the heart of Jesus that says, you know what? My time is not mine. My time is not mine. No no longer will I get frustrated because somebody needs me. No longer will I get frustrated because somebody's failing. God has put me in that situation to bind up that wound. How many of us tonight, you don't feel like you can bind up wounds because you've been wounded? How many of us, you've gone after a brother and you've been wounded in the process. Maybe you caught a bullet. Or maybe you were just in your trench. And a and a artillery shell came down right in your trench, and now you're massacred, you're decimated, and you don't feel like you can move. Tonight is the night to call out medic. Tonight is the night to call out and say, I need a medic. I want to get back up on my feet. I want to reload my weapon. I want to keep firing. I want to go in on the day of victory. I want to say tonight, if you're wounded by a fence. If you've wounded others by offense, it's time to get out of your trenches tonight. If you've been patiently waiting for someone else to come and bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, if you've been listening to the cries and you've been sitting there waiting for someone else to do something, tonight is the night to get out of the trench. Church, we are our brother's keepers. I need my brothers and my brothers need me. Your brothers need you tonight, church. There are wounds that occur that can knock you out of the race. There are wounds that can occur in my life that can knock me out of the race. I don't want to die. I want to be right there with you going into the enemy's camp. Amen? Mighty God, Lord, we invite you to search our hearts. Lord, we want to give everything to you. Lord, we ask that tonight, Lord, that fear would be torn down. Lord, that fear would not keep us from getting out of our trenches. Lord, that tonight, Lord, we would capture your heart. Lord, that we would consider our brothers better than ourselves. Lord, that we would be like soldiers serving together shoulder to shoulder. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you stir up a heart in us to be zealous for our brothers. Lord, a heart in us to want to be that medic that goes under enemy fire to bind up those wounds. Father, let your love increase in us tonight. Lord, break our hearts for the things that break your hearts. Lord, break our hearts to love your people more. In Jesus' name we pray.